I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. The Republican National Convention is taking place this week, and the speeches are mostly dark, bleak, and dismal. Why is that the strategy? Joe Garofoli, host of the Chronicle's It's All Political podcast, is here to explain. Joe Garofoli, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be back. How you doing, bud? Pretty good. So how are you liking this week's national uh, Republican National Convention? It's so light and uplifting and <laughs> just makes you feel good, huh? Yes. Well, we were promised uh, from the chair of the RNC an, quote, aspirational and inspirational uh, <laughs> uh, week of or four days of uh, programming. It has uh, that lasted uh, until the president started talking about an hour into the convention on Monday. <laughs> then he went into a 52 minute uh, litany, one of his sort of free form uh, riffs. You know, it's like almost like a Grateful Dead song. It kind of spools on and on and on. And so, yeah. some parts are very interesting and some parts are not. And, and you know, he, he hit a lot of uh, greatest hits. You know, the, he said the President Obama spied on him, which is not true. He said the Democrats are trying to steal the election, which there's no evidence of that. And, and mail-in balloting is, is, uh, is, is, uh, is crooked where there's no evidence of that. But, you know, it, there was 52 minutes of that. So that tone oh, has yeah. kind of, and, and every speaker after that is kind of followed, um, not every speaker, but most of them have followed in, in, in the tone that sort of, sort of similar tone of, of, of darkness and, uh, yeah. and despair. And isn't he going to be speaking every night? So you have to keep listening to this. Yeah, yes, he is. Uh, he's going to make some sort of appearance uh, every day. He made some uh, appearances last night afterwards during the convention, and uh, yeah, because this is uh, this is the Trump show. This is the Trump party uh-huh. at this point. They the the Republicans didn't even come up with a new platform. They just said, "Well, yeah. we we'll use the one we used four years ago, and what basically whatever the president says, we're we're for." Wow. Yeah, there's no policy talk at all, really, is there? No, uh, there, there's there's limited policy talk. And it's it's strange that we have a story coming in the Chronicle. It's talking about how um, Trump's almost running as someone who is uh, a challenger instead of the, um, the right. incumbent. He's um, he's he's almost he's on a he's on attack a lot. And and part of the reason it is is behind in, in all the polls and and most. Uh, important. He's behind in the in the battleground states polls. He's even you know losing in places like Arizona, which are longtime Republican strongholds. He's tied in North Carolina, which is another uh, a, a place where Republicans usually win. So he's he has to go on offense. Yeah, but it is a strange position to be the incumbent, saying that everything's horrible. I mean, I think we all agree everything is horrible, but it's weird when you're making that point as the guy in the White House right. who's trying to get reelected. And, and all the speakers are saying, you know, things are horrible, or many of them are saying they're horrible, but he was president for the last four years. <laughs> so it seems like he might have something to do with that. Yeah. So the, the other thing that the, the Republicans are trying to clean up is uh, his uh, how the president handled the, the coronavirus. Um, yeah. And the first three months, a couple months, he, he definitely bungled things, and 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 uh, and that the polls are showing that thirty only thirty one percent of uh, Americans, according to this uh, Axios poll, say that they don't trust uh, Trump on anything when it comes to the coronavirus, and the forty six percent trust Biden. So it's not like it's a a, a huge uh, nobody's huge, running away. With no it. one's running away with that one um, because I think you know obviously we don't. There's just a lot we don't know. We're not the things aren't going well. Yeah. Well, before we go too much farther, I wanted to get one thing out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. 
what in the world happened to Kimberly Guilfoyle? <laughs> she used to be, uh, you know, kind of a luminary in San Francisco, married to then Mayor Gavin Newsom, um, a prosecutor, uh, well-known, you know, woman about town. And um, she, we even found recordings of her today saying that she loved San Francisco back then. And <laughs> <laughs> that was not what she was oh my God. My, saying last night. My goodness, she, she used this California and San Francisco as a, as a punchline last night. Well, we should, we should point out that um, uh, Kimberly now is the girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr., uh, yes. And she says that, you know, looking back on those times with the uh, the governor, that, um, you know, she wasn't as much of a liberal uh, then. And, and he, she said he wasn't as much of a liberal then. He wasn't as lefty as he was then, as he is now. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. And, 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 uh, our, so they both kind of went opposite directions. They kind of went opposite, opposite directions in many ways. Yes. They, <laughs> uh, um, no, which they, they were, and not only remember, not only were, uh, you know, they were married, but also she worked with Kamala Harris in the, right. in the, uh, in the DA's office. In fact, they had some beef, uh, as our colleague and friend, uh, Phil Mateer points out in the, in a story today, uh, when they were, um, there, uh, they had sort of a, a rivalry, and and you know she left uh, to go to L.A. for a while. Kimberly Guilfoyle did, and when mm-hmm. she wanted to come back, she said Harris blocked her from from coming mm-hmm. back to the DA's office. And she's you know she uh, the the line she said at the time was the bottom line is she didn't want me there. So there's some mm-hmm. this was these were like uh, juicy gossipy uh, times <laughs> where they all kind of hung out in the Pacific Heights uh, money moneyed crowd there, and uh, right. and uh, that's of course forms the uh, the core of the the fundraising base for both uh, Harris and Newsom, uh, but yeah, no, they were. It was a uh, there was a lot of uh, and and of course uh, that was those in those days. Uh, Kamala Harris was uh, was Willie Brown's girlfriend, so there's this even right. even more intrigue to the story. <laughs> we could just write gossip for the rest of the year. <laughs> no, this is this will be on like TMZ. This, you know, <laughs> let's hear a bit of Kimberly Guilfoyle's convention speech. It went very dark. They want to destroy this country and everything that we have fought for and hold dear. They want to steal your liberty, your freedom. They want to control what you see and think and believe so that they can control how you live. They want to enslave you to the weak, dependent, liberal, victim ideology to the point that you will not recognize this country or yourself. So um, I was I was just reading your story preview. I got a sneak peek at what will be out shortly um, on sfchronicle.com, you know, an, a really smart analysis piece of this convention. And this quote from Florida Congressman Matt, is it, I Getz, don't know how yeah. to pronounce his last name, Getz, um, says of the Democrats, they're woke-topians. They will disarm <laughs> you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door, and the police aren't coming when you call. Whoa, that is crazy. Um, so why are they picking these speakers and going so dark and making everything seem so dystopian? Like, is that a good political strategy? Well, I think it's it's one political strategy, and it's the one that that they're using because right now, uh, Trump is losing among suburban voters, which he won last time, and he's losing among seniors, which he won last time. So to 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 try and get them back, he's painting this very dark portrait of, of, of what could happen if Biden and Harris and their radical, quote, radical socialist friends uh, take office. Now, 
I mean, we, we've covered Kamala Harris. <laughs> she's far from a radical. I mean, she's, you right. know, she's kind of, you know, when she was here, she's in the middle of the road. She's grown more and more liberal. She does have the most liberal voting record in the Senate. I don't think anybody would call her a radical or a socialist, namely Democratic primary voters who preferred. Is she going to lock you in your house and invite MS-13? I, I hope not. Uh, the, <laughs> I haven't seen that as part of her platform. No, it's 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 deeper, I think, in the platform. It <laughs> must be one of the last last page or so. Um, yeah, no, this is this is stuff that designed to. This is fear mongering stuff that's designed to scare people into what the other side could do, and uh, that's that's what that's all about. But there's a lot of it. There's, I mean, there's, there's a, I mean, a lot like of it. I mean, it seems like that's almost all of it. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of it. And, and again, going back to, we were promised an aspirational, inspirational <laughs> uh, convention. We haven't got that so far. It's still early. You know, maybe, maybe that'll happen Wednesday or Thursday. But as of, as of now, <laughs> hasn't seen, haven't maybe seen. Maybe Tiffany it. Trump will surprise us all with her <laughs> aspiration and inspiration. What I have to say, there is, there have been some, a couple inspirational moments. And one of them was Tim Scott. He is uh, known as the black uh, senator because they're a Republican senator because there's only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of few, very few black Republicans uh, in, in, uh, in elected office and at higher levels. Um, he talked about a story about his his grandfather had to quit school when he's in third grade, and then he uh, to pick cotton. And so he says, in, in one lifetime, we've gone from cotton to Congress, and that's that's mm-hmm. an inspirational. That's a good, that's a, that's a good story. story. Um, now, uh, the and and I was talking to some 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 really smart Democratic operatives today, and and uh, people who are who are doing who are working in battleground states, and he and and she said that um, a story like that. And a story like Nikki Haley's story, Nikki Haley, uh, Indian American, uh, former UN ambassador and former governor of South Carolina, she talked about her parents and what they sacrificed for their kids. That's an immigrant story. That's a, that's an immigrant story that, that many of us know and share, and whether it's our, our generation, previous generation, grandparents' generation, that's a story that resonates. And she said that these, these type of stories can resonate with uh, black, some black and Latino mm-hmm. voters, mostly Latino voters. Um, mm-hmm. And so they, you know, well, there's, you know, a lot of liberals are being very smug about all this stuff. She said, don't be so smug. These, um, uh, the, these stories can, can might be able to peel off some voters. And remember that this is the, you know, it was the vote was so close last time, 80,000 yeah. votes were the, was the difference in the electoral college. You know, if the Republicans can peel off a few votes, This is going to be a lot closer than the polls show right now. I'll be right back with Joe Garofoli, host of the It's All Political podcast, for more on the Republican National Convention. I'm back with Joe Garofoli, host of It's All Political. You have in there that 90% of black voters and 60% of Latinos are backing Biden. But like you say, Trump is trying to peel off some of those votes. Do you think that he can be successful? It's kind of hard to imagine with all of the social upheaval happening right now and his language about, um, you know, the protests and Black Lives Matter that he would get much of that vote. But yeah, no, I mean, what do you think? I I think it's be very difficult uh, for him to to peel off any black votes. I mean, uh, uh, Steve Phillips, who is a San Francisco attorney, he's been an early fundraiser of Obama and 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 uh, Cory Booker. Um, he, his organization, Democracy in Color, came out today with a uh, look, a, a, a list of 350 racist things that Trump and his mm-hmm. associates have said just since 2017. 
Um, and that's it, a it's a litany of of things there. I mean, that that's they have a lot to overcome, and you can't. I mean, they had they had people uh, speaking. Um, there was a number of of, of black speakers. Um, either a couple were black Republicans, a couple were one was a black uh, Democrat who said he's voting for Trump, uh, and one was like Herschel Walker, who was an outstanding college football player years ago, um, uh, who Trump uh, knew, got to know when he. Uh, Trump uh, owned the USFL team, I believe, the New Jersey Generals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> I don't remember yeah, that. <laughs> no, I know we're getting deep into the weeds here, uh, but the um, but he uh, Herschel Walker uh, played for that time a, a team, I believe, and uh, and he got to know Trump, and he's got got to know Trump on a, on a personal basis, and he and he hmm. attested to Trump uh, Trump's personality, which you know, there's also been a, uh, several attempts to try and soften Trump and and talk about you know how he's, you know, he's sort of a different person, uh, you know, in private, uh, you know, in contrast to Joe Biden, where, you know, the the main theme Mm -hmm. of the Democratic convention is Joe Biden, nice guy. Uh, Right. uh, So I think they're trying to, trying to, you know, borrow a a little of that tactic. Hmm. Why do you think the suburbs have become such a hot button topic in this year's campaign all of a sudden? Um, what do you think is behind Trump's insistence that Democrats will ruin the suburbs? And why does he keep talking about the suburbs? Well, because he's losing. He's losing. Uh, he's lost support in the suburban uh, among suburban voters, particularly among suburban women. Um, it, we saw that here in California uh, in the in the House races, um, in particularly in Southern California, where uh, they, the Democrats flipped four races that are based either in Orange County or around Orange County. Um, and uh, and and uh, the women were the swing vote a lot of that. They they're they're disgusted by a lot of the things that the that the president has said and and mm-hmm. done. And uh, you know the policy uh, of immigration and the border those that resonated with a lot of women, uh, particularly you know women who voted for Trump previously. Um, so that's why he's you know that that goes back to why they're trying to sort of scare some of these voters back into voting for Trump and scaring them by the prospect of you know. Uh, mobs coming into your town. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, there was a, a couple from uh, who was featured in the first night of the convention. A couple from yeah. Missouri uh, who are two lawyers and they live a, in a beautiful home and I believe it's a gated community or some sort of private community. And uh, there was a, a Black Lives Matter protest outside their house and they came out with guns drawn <laughs> and and uh, and they they're actually facing charges uh, for that now. Uh, but they came out and said, you know, this is, you know, this, what happened to us could happen to everyone. Uh, you know, there there could be a full takeover of the suburbs. And that's, of course, you know, very thinly veiled uh, racist uh, uh, rhetoric about, yeah. you know, a, a quote unquote, it means black people coming to the suburbs. That's, that's what that's all about. Right. And daring to walk down the street protesting. Yes. Um. So I heard so many friends and family last week say that they just loved the Democratic National Convention and were really inspired by it and felt hopeful for the first time in a long time. But polls show that there was actually no bounce for Biden afterwards, which is unusual. What do you make of that? Um, and I would be surprised if Trump get much, much of a bounce either. Um, it's it's a it's a reflection of who we are right now in, in, mm-hmm. in politics. Everybody's in their own camp. Who's there's nobody really bouncing. Uh, there's nobody <laughs> nobody to bounce. Uh, <laughs> there's a very small percentage of people who are undecided. Uh, it's mostly it's it's the, the the big the big effort in the in the race is going to be get people to vote. 
And, yeah. uh, and especially this year, uh, because of, you know, it's gonna be a lot different about you're gonna have to vote for the most part by mail. Um, mm-hmm. so, so there really aren't a lot of people who, who can be, whose mind there are to change. And maybe mm-hmm. we've been thinking about, you know, what's the point of a political convention these days? It's yeah, like, I was just going to ask yeah, you that. It's like, it's, it seems so, it seems so antiquated. Um, part of this, uh, you know, the, the switch to a, you know, online only TV only, uh, convention has been good because it's gotten a lot, at least the, the democratic side and, and, and for at some aspect of the Republican side, it's gotten a lot of different voices in there. Uh, we hear from, you know, it's, uh, it's not a litany of speech after speech after speech of, of, uh, you know, boring, long, boring political speech. I mean, I cover this stuff and I'm even bored by it. Um, so, so we've seen a little bit different pacing and it's, you know, only two hours as opposed to several hours. Um, so that's been a positive, but I mean, what's the point of this now? Who, who, yeah. the, all the party's business, as we learned, we saw this year, it could be all done over zoom. <laughs> yeah. They don't care about the platform. They blowing it right. off. Um, so what's, what's the point of this? It's part of the point is to, you know, gather face to face, like a convention, any other business would have. But, you know, mm-hmm. they do that other times of the year. You can, you don't need to make such a big production out of it, rent out arenas yeah. and such. So I think we, <laughs> we may be seeing the end of political conventions as we know them, which, huh. not, I mean, they're fun to go to for, for me. Uh, they're great, yeah. great for the media. We get, you get to talk to people from all around the country and, and, and such, but. But have a few beverages. Have a few beverages at night. I gotta say, it's it's one part. It's, you must be missing that. I'm, I am missing that. I uh, I have them with my wife now. At the end <laughs> well, of the that's night, nice. I have it then the night. So you go out, and I say, well, it's, let's have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> got to find your joy where you can yeah. these days. So I I've asked you this before, but I always like to ask you to gaze into your crystal ball <laughs> and. Um, Predict what's going to happen on November 3rd and shortly thereafter. I, I predict we'll still be counting the votes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's how I'm weaseling out of it this time. <laughs> what about on January 20th? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I know it's, it's an unpopular thing, in the, uh, especially where we live. But I, you know... It's tough to beat the incumbent. I, I there's a there's a lot of moving parts now. I think the way the votes are, who who knows? I think it's okay. I think it's it's Biden is is ahead in the polls, but it's it's going to be difficult to 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 take out the president. Hmm. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> thanks for jo- <laughs> thank you for joining me. It's always fun to talk to you. Always good to see you, but to talk to you, Biden. I hope to see you soon. Thank you to Joe Garofoli for joining me today. You can get it's all political wherever you get Fifth in Mission. And thanks also to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening.